What's up, podcast listeners? Another great episode on the Map Action Show. I'm hanging out with Joe Altieri. So this is a pretty dope episode because we all talk about the show Shark Tank. Well, not only do we get the opportunity to hear and swap stories and do a little smack talking with a guy who's been on Shark Tank, but he's also been on Shark Tank twice. So if you want to check out Joe, you should follow him on LinkedIn or he's all across socials. You should watch his episode, how his company flex screen, hear the backstory, watch the episode, see what went down as well. But Joe's actually just not, not only the TV experience, but just a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal guy. He's got an amazing product, flex screen, amazing company, but also he's a guy who just brings a lot of energy, joy, passion, and fire for the world. And I was just super excited to have the chance to hang out with him. And uh, I, I just was inspired by this episode all around. So, Joe, thank you so much for the man that you are. Thank you for this episode. And I hope that everybody else enjoys it just as much as I did. Well, Joe, thank you for being a guest on this podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So I know we're going to dive into some really fun stuff in the startup world. I don't know. I might even ask you for like your elevator pitch, right? The most original thing of all time. But before we get into that, I need to hear the life story. Catch me up to date. So um, I have been, um, I, I'm a window and door guy. I, for most of my professional career, I, I've been in the window and, and door industry. Um, not, the, not the sexiest industry in the world to, to be in, but that's the, that's the life that I have chosen. <laughs> so, um, and uh, I, I invented a, something in my garage that uh, over the past five, six years has just absolutely exploded and got us on national TV and all kind of stuff. Um, is that basic, basic enough of my life story? Do you want me to get into like, <laughs> should I lay down and, and talk about, you know, my childhood and stuff? Yeah, like but the life trauma, you know, the easy stuff we can dive into. Um, no, that's perfect. I like, and so, I, you know, just, just for you to know, I started in landscaping and lawn care, so I get the non-sexiness and now I work in HR tech. So even more so the non-sexiness. So I, I love it. I love it. Um, where, uh, where'd you originally grow up? Uh, Pittsburgh. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a born and raised in, in Pittsburgh. So, you know, got to be a Steelers fan and, and the Penguins are, are doing pretty well right now. You know, pirates, not so much, but, uh, but you know, black and gold all the way. Well, I have to suffer through the Lions as a Michigan man. Um, so, you know, you're, you're better off than we are at times. Um, <laughs> so the uh, the window and door, you said you, I think, self-proclaimed window and door man. Did that start as, you know, a, an entrepreneur or did that start as you just worked in the industry? Is that family background? What was kind of, I mean, most people don't wake up one day and say, I want to go into, you know, door sales or door creation <laughs> or door engineering. But where, where did that start for you? Yeah. So, um, you know, to, to, to go into the way back, right. I, um, I have uh, had a little bit of an entrepreneur spirit since I was, since as long as I can remember my, my, uh, father owned his own business. My grandfather owned his own business. When I was growing up, you know, I was the, the kid that would go and, and, um, you know, mow lawns and then knock on your door and say, Hey, I, I mowed your lawn. Do you want to pay me? Um, you know, I, uh, in high school, I did everything from, you know, DJing on the side and, and, uh, I sold, you know, you said you started in landscaping. So I, I, uh, I was, um, uh, I sold flowers for mother's day and Easter. As a matter of fact, I got engaged, um, at my wife's senior prom. She's a, a year younger than me. So I was just out of high school and I got engaged and I bought her engagement ring by selling flowers on the side of the, the road. So I have just had that, that spirit, that entrepreneurial spirit, um, since as long as I can remember, but the, um, uh, getting into the window and door industry, I was a, I was an independent sales rep. I, I've loved sales. Uh, I, you know, I, um, I love presenting. I love being in front of customers and potential customers. And, and, um, 
So I, I uh, early on in my in my young twenties, I was an independent sales rep in the window and door industry. So I just that came across a, uh, an opportunity um, with you know some people that I I knew and um, got started. So I was selling pieces and parts to people that made windows, uh, and that's um, that's how I got into into the the industry. Like I said, I was just a, a salesperson that that was being opportunistic and and. Uh, you know, saw an industry that there, there weren't a lot of young people and there weren't a lot of aggressive salespeople. So I did really, really well. Yeah. I love that. And, uh, yeah, so similar, similar backgrounds. I, um, when I say started in landscaping and lawn care, I mean like the chubby neighbor kid that pushed out a few lawns that probably did it for fast food money sort of thing. But I, uh-huh. same sort of thing. I started knocking on a bunch of doors and, uh, people started saying yes. And I realized, wow, I can go make, you know, 30 bucks or 50 bucks or whatever it was in an hour. And you realize, wow, this is actually really good money. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and also you get to set your own hours and you get to hustle and there's, there's nothing like it. So I totally can resonate with that. And I love the fact that you are, you, you can say, I mean, there's a romantic touch to it. You can say that you paid for your engagement ring by selling flowers. I mean, that's just, that's just love <laughs> on one, one little story. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, uh, well, first of all, you know, uh, buying an engagement ring at uh, 18 years old, you know, first of all, it's like, that's brilliant, insane. brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> but we're still married. We have uh, four kids and um, we still enjoy each other, which is great. So we, we beat the odds, which is fantastic. <laughs> I love that. So, all right. So you, you have this entrepreneurial spirit, the hustle, the sale. I mean, well, I guess let me, let me, let me uh, dive in one question hearing you so far. Uh-huh. So b- before what you're doing now, which we'll get into, but do you think it was the art of the deal that was more important or more exciting to you? Or do you think it was the creation of something that was more exciting? So uh, exciting. So if we're, if we're, we're going in on that word, exciting. I love the art of the deal. I love making deals. I love being part of, you know, that, that side of things, you know, where, um, and I know it's, it sounds, it sounds crazy, but you know, all of the corona, I'm a road warrior, right? So I like being out in front of the customers and, 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 and things like that. So, you know, this last year where everything's been locked down, I've been like a, like a caged lion, like pacing around my office and stuff like that. And with things finally loosening up, I was on a trip just over the last couple of days and I came back and I'm in this great mood because I got to, you know, connect with people and talk about my product and talk about what we can do to help them do things. And, um, so I really, really love that. But from the, you know, from the product development side of things, which is, you know, like I said, I invented something in my garage, uh, man, I could get lost in that. You know, it started off as a, as a hobby, you know, something that I was just tinkering around with and it. And, and it was like nights and weekends. And it was literally, you know, my wife would bring dinner out because I would just, you know, I would just lose myself, lose track of time and things like that. And she'd be like, you know, come to bed whenever you're done, you know, something like that. So I like both sides of what I, what I have done over the last couple of years. But, but it's, if we're looking at exciting, man, I love making deals. I love being in, in front of the customers and, and, you know, I had to get investors and all that stuff as well. So that, that side of the deal is exciting too. So. Absolutely. So um, you're sitting in your garage one day and you decide, man, do I really want to take this window and door business to the next level? And I'm going to create something. Walk me through the first start sort of like tinkering 
before you knew you were onto something, what was like the problem you were trying to solve? What was the, you know, brilliant idea that you had that you're like, I'm going to go mess around in my garage and figure something out. Where, where, what, give me the adolescent uh, idea stage, if you will. Yeah. So, so one of the things that I sold in the window and door industry was window screens. So most of the window screens that are made in the United States um, aren't made by window manufacturers. You, you know, so every window that's made has to have a screen on it. You know, you don't, you don't want to buy a window without a screen on it. So, um, so I worked uh, as, again, as an independent for one of those companies that made windows. There's only two really, really big window screen companies in, in America. So I worked for one of them. And there's a problem with traditional old style window screens. So painted aluminum screens like you probably have on your house is that they get damaged really, really easy. So as a frontline sales guy, I was dealing with these, this damage issue that would come up all the time. And then it's like three to 5% of the screens that get made have to be repaired or replaced before a homeowner is happy. So it's a huge number. I mean, you're talking about tens of millions of screens that are produced every single year. Um, and 5% of them have to be replaced before homeowners have me. I mean, it's a huge number. And so I was just, I was sick of my customers complaining to me about, about window screens. And it's not like, it's not like the company that I work, worked for was bad. It was just that the, the product was bad. It's painted aluminum, you know, on modern windows. You know, the, the, um, when I was doing a patent search, when, when I, you know, kind of came out of my garage, you know, um, Metal window screens with a rubber spline were invented in the early 1900s and looks just like the screens that are on your house today. So, you know, for a technology that hasn't changed in 100 years, I was just like, man, there has to be something, something that won't get hurt as bad. And that's really what took me to, the, to my garage. And I'm like, man, what can I use to make a, a window screen that hasn't been used before? So I literally started walking down the aisles of Lowe's and Home Depot, and I got on Granger's website and 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 things like that, and Amazon, and just started ordering stuff and trying to make a, a new type of window screen out of things that I could buy as a consumer. And so that was the early early stages. And honestly, I had very little hope that I was going to be successful. I know that that sounds weird, you know what I mean? But but when there's something that hadn't changed in so long you know, the odds were pretty small that I was going to come up with something revolutionary. You know, these window, these window companies, I mean, they, they spend millions of dollars in R&D and trying to come up with new things for on their windows and screens haven't, haven't changed. So they're, you know, I kind of figured, well, you know, there's probably very, you know, there's, there's not something, a knucklehead from Pittsburgh's going to come up with that's, that's going to work, but why don't I try anyway? And so that was how the journey started. Is this all, uh, are you just doing all this by yourself? I mean, it sounds like it's purely just curiosity to say like, okay, this has been around for a while. There seems to be a problem here. Maybe people are trying to solve it. Maybe not. Or maybe the big companies have, you know, because it's always interesting to me. There, there's certainly times where people rip on the big corporations like, oh yeah, they're idiots. They move super slow. No, they're usually pretty intelligent. And if they, if they can fix something, usually they do. But also there's sometimes there's just vested interest to keep things the same for any different reason. And so first question there, are you doing all this by yourself at the time? And then I guess second question there, you know, clearly you found something that was missed. And I mean, was this just a light bulb moment or was it just like kind of a progressive tinkering that you kind of arrived at what you have now? So, um, 
the I was doing it by myself to answer your first question. Yeah, yeah. this was like literally uh, my wife at the time had a Yukon XL that took up the entire our, like almost our whole garage. But that was her her parking spot. I made her take take the, the I was with four uh, kids. You got to have a Yukon XL. Was, yeah, was, of exactly. Of and um, so she pulled her, her and then that became my workshop. So so, you know, I wasn't tired. I wasn't there was no money other than than mine you know what i mean and again this wasn't like i wasn't spending tens of thousands of dollars this is you know oh it's a hundred dollar trip to lowe's and buying a bunch of stuff and coming home and seeing if it would work so you know the the second part of your question you know with the the um at least with our industry and there to your point the, the big companies are very intelligent you know they're they're not they're they're not um um, you know, they're not ignorant to the problems that were, they were having. I think that, that what happens is when, um, when an industry becomes, uh, when, when the industry becomes, I don't want to say complacent, that's not necessarily the right word, but they be, just become, um, uh, maybe they have some, some, you know, tunnel vision on the problems, you know what I mean? So, so instead of trying to completely reinvent something, all they're trying to do is change things a little bit, maybe make a little bit of improvements and things like that. And then you have new people coming in and it's like, well, this is the way we've always done it. This is what a screen is. Um, it, they just, they don't accept that there's a new paradigm that they could be, that, that they could be working on. I mean, for, for us, um, and again, your listeners, you know, uh, we, we can kind of talk about it a little bit, but our, our screens are flexible. Um, that has never like no one thought of that that in in our in our industry before. Like screens are rigid, you know what I mean? They're they're made out of aluminum. They're strong on the sides. Our screens, you know, you can you can twist them into a bow tie, and then they pop right back out. That had never been thought about at, at any of these companies before. So. Um, and then not just thought about, but then, you know, so maybe somewhere, some, you know, sometime over the last hundred years, an engineer said, you know, it'd be really cool is if we could take these, if they popped right in and out and they were flexed on the side, but no one, no one took those steps to, to actually flesh that out. You know what I mean? Um, because again, big companies, you want to, you want to return on investment. You know what I mean? So you have an engineer that says, Hey, I'm going to work on this for two years. Um, and I might not get anywhere. Like that's not that's not something a big company wants to hear. Right. So, um, yeah. So, so for me though, I had nothing to lose. Like I said, it was just a, it was a hobby. It was a lot of fun. Um, you know, frustrating at times There were times I would put it away and say, well, nothing's never going to work. And then, you know, three or four days later, I'd be like, all right, let me try this. Uh, and so once the aha light moment of an entrepreneur comes on, it's nuts to think. I mean, just kind of what you, we could, we could probably do three or four podcasts alone. <laughs> on this, but like you stop and think about, okay, take like, take like any major, um, like, I don't know, staple product. I, I'm thinking like the Jeep Wrangler, for example, mm -hmm. is something that like they've made and they've made and they've made and in the grand scheme of things. Jeep Wranglers don't look that different from 20 or 30 years ago. Why? because it works. There's a hell of a community supporting them and like people like what they are. And so there's a consistency to that. So Jeep has vested interest to relatively keep. Now they, you know, do something like the, uh, the, the, the Jeep truck. That's a little different. Right. They get a new set of buyers and there's all different that, but also flip side of that is like, there's been a lot of public backlash at times when people roll out something completely new the, like the one I, the, the best one I could think about was a uh, windows 10 for Microsoft. That was like a catastrophe, right? Because right. it was not, not that it was bad. It was just so different. Right. And so there's, but then, then you stop and think about that's why entrepreneurship and startups are such a cool way to go about it is because you can, 
come into the industry of a gap or a problem that's not being filled because some company has some vested interest to keep things the way they are and completely disrupt things, even though the big players maybe could have figured it out themselves or had maybe they even thought about it, but they didn't. And that's why, I don't know, there's something so cool about some like kind of quote unquote, an outsider coming in and changing. Like that's where, it cha- I, I don't know, that's where revolution happens in my opinion. It is. And, and uh, again, we're, you know, we're window screen. So we're not like, uh, you know, we're not changing the world, you know, um, we'll be doing screens on the moon soon enough. (laughs) But, but, but you're exactly right. The big window screen companies had no interest in changing what they did. Um, they have millions and millions and millions of dollars wrapped up, um, in their equipment and, and they actually go through like even, the roll formers, because you know, a window screen is made almost like a pop can. So it starts off off as flat aluminum, and then they roll it into the shape that that the window screen becomes. So those roll formers are extremely expensive; they're hundreds of thousands of dollars. Each of the window screen companies has multiples of those. You know what I mean? Um, plus all this. I mean, there's a whole industry that's just you know those guys kind of supplying their own internal um, their, their own internal needs for this product that I have now made obsolete and they would have made obsolete, you know, if, if they had come up with this. So, so yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot of industries like that. I think of Tesla, Tesla is a great example of a paradigm shift that has forced big people, you know, big companies to change. And, and again, we're a window screen company. I understand we're not Tesla, but, but that's a great example because Ford had no interest in doing electric, you know, really getting into an electric car, you know, all of these, these companies that are, that are doing the self-driving and all that stuff. That's because Tesla came in and said, no, we're going to do something completely different. Like this is going to, this is going to change the industry. And then everybody's going, oh my goodness, we better catch up. We better catch up. We better catch up. Um, they were forced to, they had no choice but to do it. Yeah. And, and it's in to your point, like, I mean, the Tesla one's a perfect example because like, I think Chevy Volt was way before Tesla, but mm-hmm. because it was, it was the big, big guy trying to try something new, they got ripped on for any slew of different reasons. But then all of a sudden, because something, some outsider comes in like Tesla and disrupts it, then they caught like, now all of a sudden, some of those are coming out and saying, we're only going to make uh, electric vehicles going forward. I mean, and that's how, I don't know, that's how change happens. So yes, I get the reference of window screens are not tested, but at the same time, you are causing change in a big industry and one that's been around since, you know, ever. <laughs> so, yeah. it's, it's, <laughs> so on that note, um, I, I want to do obviously the unveiling and, you know, you've got a, a, a couple, you know, well-known, I don't know, give or take uh, uh, TV shows that you've been on that we need to dive into. <laughs> But give me give me the full fledged pitch of uh, a flex screen and, and give me the rundown so that the audience knows. Yeah, so flex screen is the world's first and only flexible window screen. So we were, um, you know, our, our screens don't get damaged as easy as as regular screens. They hide in a screen pocket, so you get the full view through your windows. But um, but really, like I said, for us. It's a we're a completely different type of company. You know, we do a ton with marketing, um, and again, we'll we'll talk about that a little bit. A lot with branding, a lot of with digital marketing, and things like that to bring our product out into um, out into an industry. Like you said, that that uh, is very mature, um, and um, you know, because of some of those efforts, and because our product is pretty cool. You know, we're, we're the we're the problem that a lot of people knew that they had without necessarily knowing that they had it. Like we solve we we solve a problem that um, everybody goes, oh my god, I hate my window screens. But but again, it's not like a day to day thing where they're like, oh my goodness, I you know. 
I wish somebody would do something about these window screens. It's like that once a year thing when they have to take their screens in and out. But be, be, because of our, um, you know, our ingenious, ingenious product and then our, our branding and marketing, we actually made it onto Shark Tank. And um, we have made it onto Shark Tank twice in the last two years. So it's been... Um, it's been a, a great ride uh, with um, the ABC folks, and and I got to deal with Lori Grenier, and so you know uh, having her team involved in in the direction of our company has been absolutely fantastic. And um, I just want to call it out right now: Scrub Daddy is is the is the biggest um, product to come out of. Um, out of Shark Tank, and um, they are in our sights, man. We're we're going to be bigger than Scrub Daddy. That's that's my goal. <laughs> so um, I love that. <laughs> yeah, I, I told Lori that, and I got a little um, like a, a little emoji back with a like a little smiley face, and says. I hope you do. So exactly right. Which she's like, well, yeah, good luck, <laughs> which is awesome. <laughs> so, so Shark Tank twice. Walk me through the two times. Yeah. Obviously, Shark Tank one time is a big enough of accomplishment, regardless of the funding. But you got it twice. <laughs> yeah. So we um we were uh, January of last year. Um, we aired, and um, again, we got a we got a deal with Lori, and and everything was great. We. We had uh, three of the sharks fighting over us. Barbara dropped the f bomb on national TV, and they had to bleep it out, which because she didn't, because I didn't choose her. So that was fantastic. That was a lot of fun. Uh, and then because we've grown so much, and we've 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 made a couple big deals that that uh, are bringing us into the big boxes. You know, we'll be into uh, uh, right now. You can go on HomeDepot.com and 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 order our screens off of Home. Uh, off of Home Depot. We're going to be in displays in Home Depot and then Lowe's and Menards and all that stuff. But because we've grown so fast, um, they actually asked us to do a, um, like a revisit, you know, where they kind of do like, Hey, how have things been since Shark Tank? And so we just aired, a maybe, a six weeks ago, seven weeks ago. Um, we, we aired again, um, with that revisit episode. So, um, it's just been, it's been a whirlwind for sure. I love that. I um. So this is uh, this is gonna be a bit of a roundabout question to ask, but so I my my core business is a video interviewing company. It's a software, so not really a fit for Shark Tank because it's more product focused. But mm -hmm. a year ago, a uh, year and a half ago, my cousin and I decided uh, to launch basically a toilet seat foot pedal raising company. So you never have to touch a toilet seat again. It's called the Hopper Popper. Oh, and nice. um, I, I can't tell you the number of people who said you need to get on Shark Tank at some point. And because of my current startup, I, I've done a bunch of pitches. And at some point, you know, a dream would you know potentially be on uh, to do a Shark Tank pitch. So for, and again, obviously, whatever you're comfortable sharing, what would be the thing that was the biggest surprise to you um, uh, on your whole Shark Tank experience? And what do you think, I guess, out of everything involved has been the biggest uh, benefit to you? Again, whatever you feel comfortable sharing. Sure. I mean, the first thing, you know, we, uh, and this is rare, but we got, we actually got contacted by Shark Tank. So that was, um, you know, that was a big surprise. I thought somebody was pulling a, a prank on me, you know, because again, as when you have, when you invent anything, um, you know, the, the people, and especially once, if it's something that people go, Oh, I want that you hear, you should go on shark tank. You should go on shark tank. And we were growing so fast. You know, I, I was just like, man, I'm not going to be one of the hundred thousand people a year that, that go and fill out the application and probably don't hear anything back. You know, I just didn't have the time and, you know, it just it just wasn't on the, my top ten list, which I never make it to even down to number eight. So let alone getting down to number fifteen of the, my to do list to to say, hey, apply to Shark Tank. It just wasn't happening. 
but they contacted us. And um, so that was a pretty big surprise. And that, that fast forwarded us, you know, we still had to go through um, a lot of, you know, a lot of steps to get onto the show. But um, that was, you know, that was uh, an incredible experience. But one of the big surprises coming out of it is, you know, they uh, they make it really clear. They they talk to more people um, than than they actually fly out to L.A. to film. They film more people than or they fly out. They, so they talk to people, they talk to more people than they fly out. They fly out more people than they actually will put in front of the sharks. And then they film more people than they actually air. So through this whole experience. You know, even though you know we knew that uh, they contacted us, we weren't sure that we were going to get the 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 trip out to L.A. Once we got out to L.A., we weren't sure that we were going to actually get in front of the sharks. Once we got in front of the sharks, and even though I got a deal, we still weren't sure that we were going to air. So there's a there's a high level of anxiety that goes along with with Shark Tank. Um, you know, you have to be really really well prepared, or you're going to get the slop beat out of you on on um, national TV. So you have to, you know, you have to be prepared for all of that. And and it is um, mentally and emotionally, it takes a toll on you. It really does. Um, again, not complaining at all, but it is, you know, it is a stressful time to, to be going through that. Yeah. Um, and I, I've never done, I've never done, obviously I haven't done Shark Tank before. I've pitched in front of a group of probably like 30 angels and just the mm -hmm. prep that you have to go through. And then just the pepper, even if you're really, really well prepared. And even if you present well, the peppering of questions that you get is relentless. And that's not even dealing with the dynamics of like, oh, okay, you're hanging out with some celebrities. Oh, you're also potentially doing this on national TV. I mean, there's just layers and layers and layers and layers on top of that. So for a lot of reasons, kudos to you for making it through. Obviously, you got a deal as well too that doesn't hurt. But you know, congratulations. Yeah, thanks. And and you know, they they prepare you when you go in. Um, you know, they're like, hey, look, if you have a bad pitch, you're going to be in there for about 20 minutes. You know, if you have a good pitch, it might be about 40 minutes. Um, but because our business at that time was bigger than a lot of the companies that are going on Shark Tank, um, they had a, there was a lot of financial stuff that doesn't doesn't make it on didn't make it on to the to the episode. But it's the stuff that is really important to the sharks. And one of the things about Shark Tank is, you know, it's it's definitely a TV show first, right? They they want to ramp up the drama. They want people to do great, and they want people to do poorly because it, both of those make good TV. Yeah, right? nobody cares. Nobody cares about term sheets on on you know as a viewer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But the sharks are are sincere, you know, which is which is actually great. So. You know, they're taking notes. They have calculators out. They are really, really, really wanting to understand your business. So for me, I was in there for two hours and 37 minutes, you know, in front of the cameras, in front of the sharks. And and they make it really clear. Sony Picture, I mean, they, they look, man, we put the microphone on you that we own all of the footage until we take that microphone off of you. So there's no timeouts. There's no whoops. I didn't mean to say that. Um, oh, can you not? Can you not air that? Nope. All of it is they own it. So you have that pressure, um, but then to your point, you were you said you've you've you know um, been in, in front of some um, investor panels or, or you know things like that. You, you know these are very intelligent people who are asking pertinent questions, but they're also A type personalities and they talk over each other. So what happens is you know you're you're answering a question right, so you're verbalizing a question. You are 
you're, you're trying to formulate an answer to the next question because there's about three open questions that are out there. And you're also listening to questions at the same time because they're talking over each other. It is, it was probably the most stressful um, two and a half hours of my entire life. I'm not sure anything else would, would is going to compare. I hope nothing else compares. Yeah, well, it's one of those things you probably got done with and you're like, I don't remember anything I just said. How'd I do? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because yeah, you come off and, and, and you're producers. So, so you're a producing team that's assigned to you. So I had two guys that that were with me from the from the time where where I said yes I want to come on and we signed the contract saying you know we're we're you know we're prepared to do this I had two guys that that are, their whole job was to handle me through that that whole experience up until you know I'm I'm all done and I'm off the Sony Pictures lot so for months these guys were with me and so. So and they do handle you. I mean, they're they're used to dealing with you know Joe Schmo, you know um, that that has never been on TV before and, and things like that. So beforehand, um, again, fun story. I don't know if uh, if you have some time for for a fun story, but um, oh, we've got time for a fun story, of course. So um, I the 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 Shark Tank is in the middle of an enormous soundstage, right? So this huge building, and then the Shark Tank, you know, the the tank and all the stuff around it is in the middle of that building. So when you're the next person up, um, you actually, uh, you're actually on the soundstage and you can hear what's happening to the people in front of you. So I was the second pitch of the season. You know, I was the second, second um, company to pitch for, that, for, for last season. So there's one company in front of me, then me. So I'm, I'm in my trailer and they're like, okay, it's time for you to come out. So I go out and I'm in the on-deck area, which again, I can hear everything that's going on. And the company in front of me got blasted absolutely blasted i mean like mr wonderful going you know you should know your numbers you're embarrassing yourself you better hope that this doesn't air because you just ruined your company like mark cuban going you're violating ip and like i mean they just got absolutely destroyed and apparently i started get looking a little panicked because my producer's like don't worry that won't happen to you you're gonna do a much better job <laughs> and this is what you want to hear okay they did that to somebody but i you know here I am. I promise it's not going to happen to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so then to, to your point though, like you come off and you're like, how'd I do? And they're like, you did fantastic. I'm like, yeah, I don't trust you, man. I like, that's your job. Yeah. You are paid to make sure, you know, nothing really bad happens to me. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's, um, but, but it is, it's, it's just a crazy, um, it's a whole crazy experience. Again, another little behind the scenes, I'm probably not allowed to say this, but you know, your, your viewer, your, your listeners can get a little, a little piece of, um, Shark Tank behind the scenes, but they move you to a different hotel. So when, when you get up in the morning or whenever you're, you're airing, um, the car picks you up and they takes you out to the lot, but you have to take your stuff with you and they put you at a different hotel because everybody that is shooting that week. So there could be like 50 people shooting that week, 50 companies shooting that week. We're all in the same hotel at the same time. We all meet together on Monday to go through everything with the producers and all that stuff. And then they start shooting on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Right. So, um, and I'm like, why the heck are they, why are they moving us to a different hotel? It just makes it, and no one would answer the question, right? No one would say, you know, this is why we do it. They're just like, oh, it's just our policy, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I had, um, I had one of my, one of my, um, partners, uh, his wife and my wife were out at LA at the same time. So, you know, they, they, they know that we got a deal and all this stuff. So they meet me at the new hotel and we're sitting in the lobby, we're drinking champagne, celebrating and all that stuff. And in comes like about every half hour, every 40 minutes or so, another group of people comes in and people are crying. People are like partners fighting. If they had like little kids, little kids are like screaming and stuff like that. 
And here what it was is these people got shot down or embarrassed or they were just like overcome with the, the emotion of going on to the show. And, and, and it hit me like, this is why they move hotels because they don't want any of the other 40 people that, that hadn't shot that day to see this happening as this, this parade of, of mourning people are, are, are coming in. Um, because it's again, one of those, it, like, you kind of don't want people to see how the sausage is made. Not that anything bad's happening, but just like you don't want somebody who just got absolutely berated to come off and, you know, kind of, you know, pamper or ruin anybody else's opinion on, you know. Exactly. Yeah, that makes complete sense. I mean, it kind does. Of, until, yeah, yeah. It makes sense. yeah, like looking at it now, you're like, OK, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Because like, we rode the elevator with another company like, hey, how'd you guys do? I'm like, oh, we did pretty good. We, we got a deal. Like, how'd you guys do? Like, Mr. Wonderful's and rah, 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 rah. <laughs> you guys didn't get a deal. OK. So, yeah, I get, yeah, I get it now. You wonder you wonder how many seasons it took them to figure that out was like people. I, I like somebody at some point was like, we need to do something about this. Yeah, <laughs> like we can't not co-mingle the people have been on and haven't been on. <laughs> we need to be separated. Exactly right. So, so walk me through now. So you know, you got a deal done. Congratulations. Now you know the, the honeymoon stage of all that's probably sizzled out in some regards. Now you're just scaling up a business. What's next for FlexScreen? So, um, you, you know, a lot of our business is still, you know, selling to the window manufacturers. So, you know, I hope all of your listeners, if they're buying new windows, they say, I do not want a window without flex screen on it. So that's, so we're, we're growing. We have, um, you know, over the past couple of years, we've grown from one manufacturing plant in Pittsburgh to now we have five. So we're manufacturing in, in Pittsburgh and Detroit and Vermilion, South Dakota, Atlanta, Georgia, and then Toronto. Um, so we're going to keep growing. Um, you know, geographically, we're going to open up more and more manufacturing plants. But then from the other side, you know, the retail um, side of our business is just exploding. You, you know, the, the amount of sales that, that we've been doing over the past couple months is just unheard of. You know, people typically, you, can, you really can't buy window screens online um, because they get damaged in transit. Ours don't. So, you know, our, our .com, you know, on our, our flexscreen.com page, and then also on Home Depot and stuff like that is just gone through the roof. So people will start seeing more displays at all the big boxes and, and you know, we'll be at Amazon and Walmart and all that stuff. So it's um, like I said, we're just been off to the races. I mean, we're, you know, we, we had record months in the middle of winter this uh, this year. So it's, it's been insane. Congratulations. That's awesome. Thanks. So um, as you guys grow, is there, you know, expansion in other industries or is this a model of saying, hey, we know what we do right and this is enough of a disruption. Let's keep focused and just keep growing this. We uh, we have some products that are in our space that we're that we're working on. So, yeah, I mean, the, the interesting side of, of our product is, you know, they're, I'm a window and door guy. Right. So I'm like there's screens on windows and doors. We have a we have a company that that makes um, uh, portal the you know, the, the windows for. Um, um, boats coming into to tour because they they're like hey all boats need screens and and then we have like companies that that do big industrial fans for comp for, for things they're like hey we need screens for to block out debris from coming into these fans and uh, we had a company that does you know uh, heat exchangers for cell towers and they're like hey we need something to block debris your products are-. so again we make black rectangles that have that block bugs and 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 debris but so there's a lot of industries outside of mine that we're getting into. Um, we, have, we have a company that's um, starting to sell them on top of aquariums, you know, so fish tanks, um, you know, that, that so that their fish don't jump out and, and stuff like that. You just pop one of our screens on, on top. So, again, it's, it's kind of cool to see how uh, different industries are embracing our technology. 
but um, but again, we're, our core business, though, uh, that we're concentrating on is is just adding some products to to our you know what we already do. Yeah, I love that. After going through, um, obviously, as an entrepreneur, and obviously what you've done, you've obviously raised funds and gone through investment rounds yourself. Does that give you an appetite to be an angel investor at any point? Um, it, it does. Uh, you know, I'd actually, uh, you know, I've I've helped a, quite a few companies over the past year. Again, Shark Tank. You know, there's there's things that come out of the woodwork. You know, it's it's you, you know, uh, investors come out of the woodwork, banks come out of the woodwork, but then also people that are, that are looking for help. And so I've had a chance to 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 actually help some some people through this past year, year and a half, and. It, it's it's actually great, uh, you, you know. I an angel investor an, an angel investor is one thing, um, you know, just giving out you know cash. But but like what my investors did were they they're almost like an advisory board. You know, they they put money in. They're not in the day to day. But man, is it nice to be able to go to somebody who's been there and done that and say, you know, hey, I need some advice here. You know, wh- what do you think about this? Uh, and and so for me, uh, you know, if I do get into that type of of situation in the future. That's kind of what I would like to do, almost like an advisory board, you know, along with, you know, bringing some some funds that that could help a company grow. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, so my favorite question on the planet and uh, kind of two parts in this one. But, you know, for number number one, obviously, within the context of your business, but also more you personally, what's kind of the legacy you want to leave? And then I guess secondly is, uh, you know, obviously doing what you're doing now and you got a wife and four kids. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, what, what gets you out of bed in the morning? So one one of my passions is is actually helping other people be passionate about life. You know, one of the through through this experience, you know, I, I've been on the the flex screen. Um, you know, the, the flex screen has been such a big part of my life for the past several years with the ups and downs and and all that stuff. Um, I mean, lean years, like years where we're like, man, I'm not sure this thing's going to work. And then then Shark Tank and you know, ex- expansive growth and all that stuff. But what I found is that you know, you have to have that reason for getting out. And again, I know this sounds, it sounds strange, but my passion is helping people to find that passion. You know, we have our, you know, I have a podcast that I do with some friends of mine and my wife is on it all the time. And, and we, we talk about, you know, living an exceptional life. And that doesn't mean making a lot of money. That means loving life and, and actually living it to your, to the, to its fullest, you know, being adventurous, you know, um, being grateful and, and passionate and, and, and things like that. Uh, that's to helping people to, to realize that life is not going to work. Life is not your company. Life is not what car you drive. Life is what happens between, you know, birth and death. You, you know what I mean? That's, that's where, that's what gets me out of bed. Um, and I just use, you know, I use the, the success of my business and also the shark tank notoriety to say, if you, if you concentrate on these things, you know what I mean? This other stuff can't happen as well. You know what I mean? You don't have to have either or. You don't have to be a workaholic that all you're all you're doing is nose to the grind, working forty eight, you know, uh, you know, fourteen hours a day. Um, you need to go out and live life as well. So I'd love that. So yeah. Joe, for anybody that wants to uh, follow along on the Flex Screen journey, uh, get in touch with you. Just tag along with everything you got going. What's the best way for people to uh, either get in contact or follow along with uh, obviously your podcast, but also you personally? Yeah. So me personally, um, we have a, we have a little vanity, uh, vanity website, you know, it's joealtieri.com, which is J O E A L T I E R I.com. 
uh, you can you can hear the podcast. We blog, and um, I I do a lot of live um, speaking events. So we we post clips and stuff like that. You can catch up with me on LinkedIn. Um, you know, we post a, a bunch of stuff. Um, FlexScreen, you can you can go on FlexScreen.com and see what's new and follow us on all all, all kind of social media. So um, yeah, and if, and if you're listening and and you want to know more, uh, reach out. You know, we're we're uh, I'm an open book. I'd love to love to help people out. That's awesome. Anything else you want to leave the audience with? Um, yeah, I, I guess the only thing would be, you know, find, find your passion, you know, to, to your point, you know, find what gets you out of bed. Um, I had heard this, um, this saying said, you know, uh, you know, find, you know, find your passion and let it kill you. Um, which is again, it's kind of a weird way of saying it, but, but it's just like, man, find something you're so passionate about that, man, it, it just, it, it just, you know, takes over your life. Um, and man, you, you'll, you don't have to worry about depression or COVID or anything else. It'll all take care of itself. It's so true. It's so good. Well, Joe, thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. My pleasure. You just listened to an amazing episode on the Matt Baxter Show. It had nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with the guests that I have and the stories that we get to tell and the smack talking we get to have. So if you enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes that you've listened to, feel free to su subscribe on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcast. Check us out at themattbaxtershow.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at Matt C. Baxter, Twitter, or Facebook as well too. Uh, I'd love to hear from you, whether it's through an email on the website or whether it's through any of the social platforms. I do my best to get back to people as soon as I can. But thank you again for listening. I hope you enjoy. Feel free to send feedback in any way. And don't be afraid to share the Matt Baxter Show. We're very excited to have you as a listener and hope you continue to listen as well. Thanks a ton. Bye-bye.